that was awesome. <laughs> that was super powerful and awesome to hear. Praise the Lord. Um, well, welcome again. Thanks for joining us tonight. And actually, man, Molly's uh, story is just kind of a great segue into what we're going to talk about tonight because um, we're beginning a new series tonight that we're excited about called Respectable Sins. And it, um, I feel like part of Molly's story, right, that she was turned away from Christianity because of the hypocrisy, the sin that she saw just running rampant in a Christian community, like, that's what's at stake, right? Like, there, we've, we've decided to do respectable sins and call it that because I think we all kind of feel like there's big sins, right? And then there's little sins, and uh, you know, some things are obvious and big, like, cheating on your wife or your husband, like that feels like a big one, but I don't know, things like gossip, you know, that maybe feels small to us. And yet when we let these acceptable or respectable sins, um, when we let them just run rampant in ourselves or in our community, um, it can tear entire churches apart, entire ministries apart, entire communities apart, entire friend groups apart, and we've seen it. Even something as little as gossip. Um, I've seen it just tear things apart. Um, so we're excited to do this series. And actually, um, I gave it away. That's the one I'm talking about tonight is um, the power of the tongue, really. Um, and what we're going to talk about is just that, man, our words have power. Sometimes we feel like they don't, and, and you know, we talk so much, and um, I let words fly all the time without even thinking about them, and I can neglect and forget that our words are powerful. I would love, actually, a show of hands of how many of you have watched uh, Mandalorian at all, a little bit? Okay, 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 okay. So good amount. All right, so most of you understand this. This is one of Nick and I's favorite shows. It's like one of those shows that as soon as it comes out, we're like, new Mando, sitting down, getting snacks, getting ready. We wait till the kids go to bed. We love it. Um, and okay, I especially love it because I have this weird thing about like power and like I legitimately wish that I was like physically powerful. Like I want to be Mandalorian. Like I wish I had armor and a bunch of weapons and like just awesome whatever karate skills like it would be awesome if I walked into a room and every like 18 people attacked me and I just laid them all out like that's <laughs> literally my dream come true because I actually dream about it um, and so I want this power for myself that Mando has like he'll just walk up to someone he's a bounty hunter if you've never watched it and he'll just walk up to someone to his mark and be like, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And I'm like, yes, I want to do that. Um, <laughs> but I don't. But even though I don't have that kind of power, I actually feel like the Lord more and more lately has been reminding me in different ways that like, yeah, Amy, you, you can't bring people in warm and cold, but, but you have actually power in different ways. And God actually talks about our words as if they're incredibly powerful. And we're going to look at a few Proverbs tonight, but one of them actually says that there is life and death in the tongue. That the, the tongue has either the power of life or the power of death. Um, and so I hope what we'll see tonight is that because God has given our words so much power, we need to use them to bring life and not death. 
So let me pray for us, then we'll dive in. Father, I just thank you for your word, and it is so powerful. Um, And yeah, I just pray that we would have open ears, soft hearts to hear what you'd have for us. Um, This is just a huge area, Lord, where I know I can grow. And so I pray that you would work and that you would speak to us tonight, show us um, how you want us to depend on you, how you want us to communicate. Um, Yeah, we love you, Lord, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first of all, um, I think we've, you know, I I mentioned a lot of us maybe kind of discard the power of our words, and that's, I think, kind of natural. Like, I don't know if you remember the childish rhyme of, like, sticks and stones, whatever, my bones are breaking, but words don't hurt. That's, like, one of the worst, I feel like one of the worst things you can hear is, it's so untrue. It's, like, the most false thing ever, that words are not going to hurt you. Are you kidding me? If I broke, my sister broke her arm as a kid. I don't think she looks back on that with, like, a ton of, you know, anxiety and regret, but she definitely looks back at other things and the words that have been said to her with a lot of power. So um, our words do have power, um, even though we've been conditioned to think that they don't. We let words fly on social media. Um, we just talk a lot. But let me talk a bit about why our words have power. I think our words have power because God's words have power. Um, because God says that we're made in his image. And I don't know how much we stop to actually think about what that means and what that looks like, but in, a, in kind of a literal sense, we are supposed to be um, little pictures of God on this earth. That because we're made in God's image, the way we act, the way we think, the way we speak, everything we do is supposed to reflect back to the one who created us. We're supposed to, to act and speak in a way that reflects God. And so God's words obviously have power, right? I mean, you look at the creation story, and he speaks the world into existence. Um, You look at Jesus' words in the Bible, and I don't know about you, every time someone asks Jesus a question, I'm like, wow, did not think he was going to respond like that. Like that is, (laughs) you have some powerful wordplay going there. Um, But it's also just powerful because Jesus is saying, you know, here's the way to know God. And this is what life looks like. Life is found in me. Scripture, just the words of Scripture written have power. Um, It says reading them just cuts to, you know, cuts to the very core of ourselves and convicts us and also transforms us to be more like Christ. So God's words have power, and so our words have power. And we're going to look at a bunch of Proverbs tonight because Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. Um, actually, there's one commentary that says that there's about 90 Proverbs that all just talk about how to speak. Um, in fact, the book of Proverbs has more to say about what we say and how we say it than really anything else it addresses in our life, more than money, more than sex, more than family. Um, so tonight, we're really just going to look at those two ways that the tongue affects us. We're going to look at the ways that it brings death and the ways that it brings life. So the first way that the tongue brings death, loving our own words too much brings death. I'm going to read Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. I think I have a slide for it. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. 
The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So this is a really interesting, I think going into this, I knew the line, the tongue has the power of life and death, but I didn't know what it was kind of sandwiched in between. And uh, it, sandwich is kind of funny because it's all about eating something, right? I'm like, what? what? Uh, there's words and tongue has power and yeah, the tongue's in your mouth, so should we talk about eating? Um, what this is saying actually is that people love their words. They love the taste of them. There's a satisfaction that comes with hearing your own voice and speaking. Um, and many of us, we do, we love to talk. I'm, I'm one of them. Um, sometimes I find myself just waiting, you know, until someone else is done talking, not really taking in what they say or, um, or letting it hit me or thinking about it, but just, I'm just waiting for my own turn, right? Um, and yet this passage, it's a caution to anyone like me. Um, you could almost paraphrase and say, hey, don't be so in love with your own voice. Don't be so quick to speak at all because the tongue has power. Don't discount the awful power of the tongue because you're so ready to talk. Um, there was this one research report that just said that human beings, most of us talk about 700 times a day. And I don't know if there's anything else that we consciously do that many times a day, right? Like that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, breathing, sure, but like something that we're choosing to do 700 times a day is a lot. We talk a lot, and yet we need to be careful because our tongue can kill. Um, sometimes literally, um, there's a woman in Los Angeles who took her own life, and in her suicide note, all she said was two words. They said, Another guy, Vince Foster, was in the Clinton White House administration, and in his suicide note, he said, here, ruining people is considered sport. And even something like politics, right, have conditioned us to think that it's just normal to, to badmouth people, to watch for what's going to go wrong and broadcast it. Um, death is in the power of the tongue. And that's why Jesus actually says, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So words don't even have to be intentional to be harmful, right? They could just be careless. Um, there's two big examples of, you know, careless and, and just harmful words that come to my mind. Gossip and criticism. And they seem small, right? And they can even be perceived um, as some kind of need. Like, I gotta let this out, you know? Like, the, you know, I just, I can't keep this in. I, I need to tell someone about this. It, it feels really hard to keep things to ourselves. Um, and even as Americans, like we have the right of free speech um, in our political culture. We have the right to just blurt out whatever we think or feel. Um, but, when we become Christians, we enter a new culture. We surrender this right. We stop blurting out everything we feel because we bring our words under the judgment of God's word because we know that letting loose our tongue can have dire consequences. 
I saw actually a really sad example of this um, when I was on staff, and this happened in another state, so none of you know any of those people. I'm not going to name names anyway. Um, but there was a woman on our staff team who I think just had really bad judgment about what she thought it was okay to say. Um, she would talk badly about people. She would criticize our ministry. Um, and when confronted about it or, you know, encouraged to like, hey, why don't you just go talk to them about it? Or why don't you email somebody and set something up? Like, we can, we can work this out. We can get to the bottom of this. Like, maybe there's elements that you're not aware of or, you know, wisdom to be gained. She wouldn't do it. And the hardest part is she, she had a really just screwed up past. Most of it not at all her fault. Just bad things had happened to her. She'd suffered a lot. But sadly, I think that it kind of made her feel like, as long as I'm talking about my feelings, as long as I'm talking about my hurt, I can say whatever I want. So she would complain and criticize and gossip all in the name of, yeah, but I need somebody to understand me. And I saw this, I actually saw this behavior firsthand. And so um, she was eventually fired from staff, but not before lots of students had come around to her way of thinking. Lots of students had gotten on board with the things that she was saying. And all of a sudden, we just had a culture of criticism and gossip in our ministry. And when she was let go from staff, a lot of those students left because they had started to believe her version of events. And they had started to come around to the idea that, well, if someone's just hearing me, someone's just trying to understand me, we don't have to censor what we say. And actually, kind of ironically, the people who were still left on staff didn't say a word. We couldn't, right? Because our airing her dirty laundry, talking about the reasons why she was let go, would have been just as bad as her criticizing us. So we didn't get a say, and she got to talk bad about us a lot. And I share this because this is a real threat. And I think it's one that our culture encourages. That we could let our tongues run free because we've been hurt. Um, or because we have pain. Or because we just need to share with someone what we've experienced. And yet, a hurt person can still be a very sinful one. And anyone is criticizing, if, if anyone is criticizing without confronting the object of their criticism, something's really wrong. If we're criticizing or gossiping without believing the best, without saying to ourselves, there might be information I don't have though, so I shouldn't jump to conclusions. Or what I just heard, I'm definitely not going to repeat that until I know more. Or, um, yeah, without viewing that person as a brother or sister in Christ then something's really wrong. So we have to watch ourselves that we don't fall into this trap. And the very fact that I think so many of our students, she was only on our staff team for a semester, and the fact that so many of our students left and got on her team, I think is evidence that we like hearing this kind of stuff, that we eat it up, that when we hear it, it's not like, ew, ugh, get out of here. Okay, how do I leave? How do I... How do I gently say, I don't want to be a part of this? How do I distance myself from this? We stay. We listen. 
And we're happy to think that we're somehow vindicated in doing that. And that actually brings me to the second way that, um, yeah, the tongue can bring death. Listening to evil brings death. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So God wants us to know that even just listening is evil. Even just listening itself is lying, right? A liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. And we lie to ourselves that, oh, I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm not involved. I'm not the one saying these things. I'm just standing here listening. What am I supposed to do? And yet the Bible doesn't see it that way at all. Listeners are involved. So be careful what you listen to. I think a person can become we might call them like a garbage collector. <laughs> just somebody that, um, someone in the group who just dis disgruntled people move towards. That if you're hurt, you've got something to say, like, oh, I'll listen, I'll listen to you, I'll empathize, I'll be on your side, right? And it's, it's hard for us to ever understand that being on, you know, just trying to be on someone's side can be wrong. And yet it is. So I think the loving thing to do is to say, this isn't all right. <laughs> we can't, we can't, I think we've maybe have crossed a line. I don't think I can hear anymore without knowing that you're going to go talk to this person. If you want to talk to me about how to talk to them, then I can still listen. But right now, got to cut it off. So if we have the courage to obey God at that moment of temptation, I think there's actually a lot at stake because even what Molly brought up, she didn't name this sin in particular, but if sin's allowed to run rampant very quickly, our gatherings, our culture, our ministry can become really toxic. It stops being like a safe place where people can just come and explore and, and figure out who the Lord is and worship him and learn about him with no judgment. And it starts being a place where people go, oh, so what are she saying something about? So, so what does everyone else think about me? So how many people heard that, what she said about me? It stops being a safe place and starts being a toxic place where you, you actually can't grow. And the focus shifts from being on Jesus to being on ourselves. It just hurts all around. One commentator says, the evil tongue slays three, the slanderer, the slandered, and the listener. The third way that the tongue brings death, cursing what God has called blessed brings death. Um, man, the book of James, we're getting out of Proverbs for just a second because the book of James has so much to say about the tongue, it's ridiculous. We're not even going to read it all, but we're going to read a chunk just because the language is so intense, and I want you to hear it. James 3, starting in verse 5, says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell, 
for every kind of be bird, um, sorry, beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curse. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We're just going to hone in on that one verse. Verse 9. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So the same reason we already talked about, right? The same reason why the tongue even has power, because we've been made in the image of God, because we're like him, is the same reason James gives why it's never okay to curse another human being, to break them down. Just being made in God's image gives a person incredible value and worth. It doesn't, isn't this interesting? It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they've said, what they've done. It doesn't say anything, no context about what they might have done wrong, about what excuse you feel like you have to, to say something bad about them. Because if they're human, they're made in God's image. And in James's eyes, that's enough. Well, let's move on to the ways that the tongue can bring life. The first one, encouragement. Encouragement brings life. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So we're not meant to walk with the Lord by ourselves, right? Like, I feel like if we try to do things by ourselves, we become depressed, we become fearful. Um, sometimes we're in two minds, like, yeah, I trust God, but I don't really trust God. Um, it's hard to do things alone. So we need a good word from outside ourselves. And this passage reminds us here that we can be speaking good words into each other's hearts. And sometimes I think encouragement looks just like you think it looks, like it's personal encouragement, like, hey, I, you know, when you, like, fielded that question in community group, that was really great. Like, I was thinking of an answer myself, and I definitely didn't come up with, you know, what you did, and I just thought what you shared was awesome. Like, it can be personal about something that you did, something that's unique to you. Um, and that's so sweet to hear, right? Like, who doesn't love hearing just good things about ourselves? Um, it, it lets us know that we're seen, that we're known. Um, and that someone's for you. My three-year-old son, Lucas, is actually really good at this. He might be better at it than I am. And I think part of it is because Nick has been teaching him. But he started to say things all by himself, like out of the blue. He'll just, he probably tells me like 18 times a day that I'm like, I love you, Mom. Today, I know it's so sweet. Today, he just looked at me and he goes, Mom, I love you all day. I was like, that's, that's so amazing. I love that. <laughs> and I said, Lucas, you're going in my talk tonight. Um, <laughs> and, and what he doesn't know, and what often happens with encouragement, is he, just, he doesn't know how much I want to hear it or how much I need to hear it, right? And that's sometimes the thing with encouragement is like, I, 
I think about saying that, but oh, someone else has probably already said that, or that's not going to mean very much to them, or like, yeah, they're all the way over there, I'll tell them later. And so I don't actually move to encourage, but I think if we knew, if we saw, if, if we could look at people and somehow see what was written on the inside of their minds, or what they're feeling, or what they're going through, we would realize that way more people would love to hear encouragement, could be really helped by that, maybe even need to hear it. Because what Lucas doesn't know is sometimes I really doubt whether I'm a good mom. So it is, it's life. It's life to me when he says that I am. It's so sweet. And we're in the same passage, but this is my second point, the second thing that brings life. Um, the gospel brings life. Because sometimes, though, a good word, and in this passage, it's, you know, it's, we don't know exactly what they mean by good word, but I think sometimes a good word is, is not as personal as it is just reminding people what's true of them in the Lord. Um, and that sometimes our problems are just so big and heavy <laughs> that it doesn't really help me to hear, like, hey, you did a good job on that. No, thanks. Great. But what I'm dealing with is, is really big. <laughs> it, it doesn't help to hear that, you know, something like that is helpful or is... Um, that I'm doing a good job in some area, what, what I really need to hear is I need to remember the gospel. And so sometimes our, um, we need gospel encouragement, like, hey, I know you're going through a really hard time and this doesn't solve anything, but God sees you, right? I know it, it doesn't feel like it right now. I know you've been depressed lately, but he's in this right here with you. I know you've, you've mentioned that, you know, you feel like, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if he cares. Well, you don't have to wonder. He does care. God is with us. He's right here with us. And he absolutely hears us, whether you feel that way or not. So sometimes we need to hear what's true of us in the gospel. Um, I think I often struggle with even just feeling like, can I just, can I just do anything right? You know, I get, in, maybe I've forgotten a lot of things that week, or I don't know, just different things happen, and I just find myself feeling, man, I just feel like such a screw-up. I can't do anything right. And in those moments, of course it's nice to hear, no, you're doing a great job, but what I really need to hear is, you know, Jesus was perfect, so you don't have to be. You don't have to be perfect. <laughs> he sees you know, the Bible tells us to work as if we're working for the Lord and not for a man. So the Lord is your boss. How do you think he thinks you're doing? He sees your heart. He loves you. And it doesn't matter if you did a good job on that or not. Your identity is in Christ. It's not in how well you perform. Often that's what I really need to hear. And we can be the people who say that kind of stuff to each other. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. And the last way that, um, sorry, the last way that the tongue brings life, guarding your mouth brings life. So Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I actually still remember um, vividly when I was like 13, um, 
I said something very not God-honoring about one of my friends. <laughs> and it came from a place of hurt, right? Which I think it often does. It doesn't justify it, but I just had been feeling really left out of everything. And so I just lashed out and called one of my friends a really bad word. And it got around to her and to everybody else. And I lost all those friends because of it. And I still look back and think, man, if only I knew what I knew now, you know, about my identities in Christ and how to have a conversation with them about that, things could have gone differently. And yet, what's sweet about that is I get to look at Jesus, and he is the only one who's never done that. Like, I feel like probably a lot of these people in this room can, can relate to that story, but, but Jesus has never let an unguarded word about. He's never said something that brings death. He's only ever spoken life. Um, he's never spoken when it was better to be silent. He's only ever said perfect and wonderful things. Even his enemies said no one ever spoke like this man. And in a way, Jesus disproves Proverbs 13.3 because he did guard his mouth, but it didn't preserve his life, did it? His words were life-giving and wise, and yet he still died. He took it. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to take on our terrible record of what we've said, of what we've done, what we've thought. He took on our terrible record and he gives us his perfect one. He took the divine condemnation for our lies, our insults, our gossip, our put-downs, our bragging, our false promises, our griping, as well as our guilty silence when we should have spoken up. He took all that onto himself and just deleted it. So we get to look at him on the cross dying for what you and I have said and left unsaid. And we see him there, and we can finally be free of all of that. And as we consider these proverbs and our use of the tongue, um, perhaps everyone in this room might be responding in one of two ways, right? Like either you're like, oh, okay, awesome. This is a good reminder. These proverbs are super practical. I know what I need to do. Like I'm going to move forward and keep these things in mind. Or we respond on the other side of like, man, I've just brought death. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realize it until now, but yeah, my words have been careless. They've brought death. I've fallen into gossip. I've definitely listened to it. Um, what am I going to do now? And in other words, every one of us is either on the front end of foolish, disobedient words that we're not going to see coming when we do it again, or we're on the back end of foolish, disobedient words, and we're suffering for it. But here's the gospel for all of us who are trusting in Christ. You are accepted. You are not excluded. You are still in the conversation. Because when Jesus was on the cross and God said to him, you know, or, and sorry, and he says to God, God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you not speaking to me? Um, that was God taking away his acceptance from Jesus momentarily because of our sin so that he would never, ever take it away from us, 
right? And so if you're willing to, to believe that and to be forgiven in that way, I think we can also be humble enough to let Jesus be our mouth from now on. The Bible calls him the word, and he's everything that needs to be said. And so I want to encourage you. We don't do a lot of practical stuff here at the end, but I would love for, you know, even as we're singing um, or as I'm praying, I would love for you to just take a minute and think, who do I want to encourage? Um, where have I slipped into sin? Who do I maybe even need to go back to and apologize for that? If you fell into gossip or criticism, I think there's nothing more beautiful, no, nothing more beautiful than this picture of the gospel, walking up to that person and saying, yep, what, the, what I said the other day, that was not all right. And I'm feeling it now. And I don't wanna do that anymore. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for saying those things? Whether it's about you or another person, will you forgive me? I don't wanna live like that anymore. Because it's so hard to do that stuff. It's so humbling. And we're sometimes so defensive, but it's a picture of the gospel because if our identity really is in Christ and what he's done for us, and knowing that we're all gonna screw up again, then it's easy to admit what we've done wrong in this area. And so Jesus is, I never want to just feel like Jesus is our model. He did it perfectly, let's do it like him. More than our model, Jesus is our hero. He did it in the way that we never could. He's done it perfectly, completely. And when I fall short, it's actually just one more reason to praise and worship him. Because his perfection shines so much brighter when I fall short. And I know that even in those moments, I'm still accepted. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, you give us your word, which is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And yeah, Father, I pray that we would be shaped by it, that even as we come here on Thursday nights or come to community group, I think about how we could come even just in very different ways. We could just show up. We could just get through it. We could just wait for our turn to talk. Or we could come just wanting to hear from you and saying, God's word is hearing from you. Let me, let me really listen. Let me connect with you through this. Show me how saying this is good. Show me how your words are good and how it points to a good and beautiful God. So be with us this week. Work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.